the Purpose Driven Entrepreneur Podcast. We're all about delivering great content, thoughtful discussions, and tips and tricks to help you truly get the most out of your life and business. And here's your charismatic host, me, Matt Browning. Hey, it's Matt Browning. How are you? Hope you're having a good day. Man, what a week. What a week. This week, I have an interview for you that I think you're really, really going to enjoy. Fascinating dude. But first, let me just catch up on the week real quick. So last week, I told you that we're visiting the UK with my family. So we've been spending time in a little bit of time in London, then Wales, and we came over to Ireland. Well, now it's been a few days in Ireland. Oh my gosh, the people are awesome. What an amazing culture. Like I gotta tell you, like different towns we've been in have very distinct cultures, as you might imagine, or you probably know if you've been around uh, different spots. But I just, I love the Irish people. They are so welcoming, so kind. Um, like, you know, the big grace for tourists, um, but they also have a really great local uh, community vibe as well. It's just awesome. So we're making our way around Ireland. Um, as I'm recording this, we're going to be on the way up to Dublin next. And then we're going to go through Northern Ireland, which is part of the UK, and uh, head into Belfast. Check that out a little bit. And then... The best part, by the time you listen to the next episode, we should be in Scotland, uh, and that's going to be fun. So the one thing that Val, my seven-year-old, is looking forward to more than anything, the entire three-week trip all throughout the UK, what's the one thing he wants to do? Loch Ness. He wants to go to Loch Ness and see the monster, or at least visit Loch Ness and see if we can't catch him. Uh, so it's it's been awesome. Uh, thanks for keeping up with me on the journey. Um, if you want to see some pictures, we're putting some stuff up and doing some posts uh, over at Facebook at Matt Browning. You can see that uh, on my page and also on my profile. You'll find links and everything there. So I got some photos up of uh, me and the fam hanging out in the UK. All right. Well, without any further ado, let me get into our guest this week. So Ian Gray. So I met Ian Gray at a podcast conference a few months back, and he told his story, he shared his story on stage for a couple of minutes, and it just kind of, it really resonated with me. I related to him a lot. He'd been through some incredible ups and downs in life, and I just thought, here's a guy who, who has tremendous vision and can really make something happen if he wants it to happen. So... You know, a couple of things he's done is, you know, he, uh, he he has a master's in organizational leadership from Mercy College in New York. He has a bachelor's in marketing from Florida Atlantic University in Boca Raton. Um, so, he, you know, he's he's deep into, like, he loves marketing, loves business, but also the organizational leadership. I really love that component. I always thought, you know, if I went back to school for anything, probably the one the one thing, maybe the two things that would interest me would be organizational leadership and then something in ministry or uh, church leadership. But it's really something around leadership is the only thing that would interest me. So we talked a lot about organizational leadership background and, uh, and you know, his style on like management and leading people and what that looks like. Um, he had his first small business as a teen. So uh, as I usually do with my, uh, with my interviews, we'll get into some of the childhood and what got him into the entrepreneur field in the first place. He founded a huge New York-based advertising agency. So he grew this agency in his mid-20s from just himself to over 150 employees. 150 employees in three years. At that point, he sold it, and then he said, what am I going to do next? So what did he do next? We'll talk about this. He actually owns, and uh, I think by the time this airs, he should have sold it by now. But for the last few years, he's owned Santa Ana, uh, sorry, not Santa Ana, San Antonio Raceway and Cycle Ranch down in Texas. Um, it's a, 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 a motorbike, um, 
racetrack basically it's a huge racetrack so they have all different kinds of events so he's been like the main promoter so he owned the track and grew it and brought it back from essentially near bankruptcy i don't know if that's appropriate to say or not but it was like it, it, it was struggling let's say that it was struggling he brought it back and got revenue back up got participation back up and really rebuilt the thing so he has this knack for building and rebuilding companies so I think you'll really, really enjoy it. He also has a, a tremendous story of what he's been through, as well as the positive outlook and how he sees life and what he makes out of it. So um, enjoy your time with Ian. Uh, I think you're really, really going to like him. Let me know what you think. Here's Ian Gray. So we finally made it. I finally made it. Um, I'm sitting here with the man, the legend, Ian Gray. How are you, buddy? I'm doing great, man. I'm living in heaven and earth. I'm on my ranch in uh, Texas, so I'm taking in the nature, listening yeah. to the birds singing God's song, and I uh, had to find a room that was quiet enough that it wouldn't be picking it all up for you guys. Yeah, that was great. We, we moved around. You said you're, you're selling a bunch of stuff right now, and uh, um, so you're living, in my, you're living in West Palm Beach or Miami? My, Miami uh, is my intention. I always start out with an intention I love of that. an outcome, and uh, we see what happens, so been i live actually in a wellness resort in miami on top of a hotel it's a wow. uh, pretty pretty awesome experience overlooking the water overlooking the bay and the i'm right on the oceans my front yard um so i i try to stay there as much as possible but there's so many great people spread around the world so i get to travel quite a bit and great things to see of course i love that yeah so you're you're in your in your ranch in texas um work i mean you have a ton of projects you're working on i want to get into it all but i kind of i don't know i just want to this start by saying, man, it's so good to, to see your face again. You know, we only met maybe a month ago. And, but as soon as I, I don't know, I, I saw you, you're just kind of talking about what you're up to. And I just instantly thought, man, this guy's cool. I, I like him a lot. Um, hopefully he'll be able to come on the podcast and we can, you know, have a chat and I can get a little deeper. Um, so I was excited, man. I'm looking forward to this. We're recording this as we record it. We're on Memorial Day. Um, it'll probably drop within a couple of weeks, but here we are on our holiday morning. Um, do you have any big plans for today? I'm actually crushing a ton of work. I'm actually in the process of selling my uh, drag strip right now. And it's, it's definitely being met with some mixed emotions because I've made so many great relationships out there. And knowing that's not going to be part of what I'm doing in the future is a little bit tearing out. But at the same time, um, I've been able to make a dent here in San Antonio. I learned a lot about building community and met so many wonderful people. So I'm grateful for everything that has happened with that up until this time. And I'm really excited though for being freed up, not being having a stationary business to sure. have to keep coming back to and be able to do something more on a global scale. Well, tell me about that a little bit because I think that's one of the a fascinating thing about you. So not many people uh, have owned a racetrack drag strip. So this is, this is, this is in San Antonio, Texas. And you, yes. you came in and um, for my research is that you took it out of bankruptcy. Yes. And it was only three years ago. Is that yes. right? Exactly. Yeah. So, the, so tell me about the, so this is like a drag strip for like, like, is it a quarter mile, like straight up, like drag strip, drag strip? Do you do, is it motorcycle racing? Is it car racing? Like, or is it everything? It's, it's everything. I mean, we've had monster trucks go down the track. We've had semis go down the track. We've had stunt bikes out there. We've had uh, nitro Harleys, jet cars, funny cars, pro mods, um, grandstands that seat between 15 and 20,000 people, depending on how. Dang their size right on i-10 um 40 acres of pavement where we do drifting and 
autocross. So we do everything motorsports out there. And it's, it's a really neat community. Everybody like really binds together. Mm-hmm. And my, my thinking in when I brought it back to life, um, actually, I didn't ever do drag racing. It was never my thing. My father did. And I got uh, Audi R8. And the guys that were selling it to me, like, you have to take it out to the drag strip, take it out. So I bought that, went out two times and met the promoters there because I also own a motocross track here in San Antonio. I'm like, we should be cross promoting. Um, another one that I. So a whole separate track. So you totally been, separate track. Yeah. No, and you ride too, right? You do motocross. Oh yeah. Okay. How, when did you, how old were you when you started doing motocross? So interestingly enough, like my first memory was like wanting a dirt bike. Like it was just, well, I was that little kid that that's all I wanted to do. And I would ask my father over and over again. And he would always say, no, we don't have the money for that. And he'd say that about pretty much anything. It could be like a dollar thing. So I kind of grew up with this whole belief that I was going to, I was poor. And um, that, that actually triggered me to have this mindset of, I am never going to say no because of money. I'm never going to tell my kids no because of money. I'm not going to tell myself no because of money. I'm going to find a way to make wealth. And when I was eight years old, my father actually said to me, um, when I asked him for the dirt bike, he goes, you know what? When you can have the money and you can afford it, you can buy it. Well, little, little did he know that I was going to like start raking leaves, cutting lawns, picking up dog poop, shoveling snow, and then come home with a motorcycle when I was 11 years old. And he's like, what is this? And did you buy that yourself with your leaf money? Yeah. Yeah. I, I got it. My, I negotiated the deal. He had no idea. I figured out how to get it back to the house. Like I figured out how to get gear. To how did you ride. even get to it? Would you like skateboard over to it or? Um, actually bicycle road. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I rode my bicycle over. Yeah. Dude, that is so epic. And so what's your earliest, I want to come back to this because uh, I, I love bikes. Um, I ride a victory. So I do um, just like, you know, nice. cruiser bikes. I love going down the canyons and uh, down in Southern California or Tega highways are an awesome ride. We always do, you know, just kind of up and down through Elsinore. Um, the classic Hell's Kitchen is there or not Hell's Kitchen. That's a uh, Gordon Ramsay. Um, uh, what, you know what I'm talking about? Uh, is it, maybe it is Hell's Kitchen. It's the, the Hell's something. I say like, I'll get this figured out in the, in the post of the show. Uh, but it's a nasty, nasty biker bar, which I do not go. We go right past there to one of the lookout grill <laughs> bar. <places laughs> um, but man, I, I love it. You know, I never rode my entire life ever. I always thought it was dangerous. I saw all my friends rode bikes and I thought it was just dangerous. They used to go out to the track with street bikes. Um, friends had Harleys. At one point I had five motorcycles in my garage when I was like 25. Uh, none of them were mine. So I, I always thought I would never ride. You know what I mean? Like I had friends with pins and, and rods and, and all sorts of stuff. And then I don't know, I turned 35 and something I had like a midlife crisis. And I thought, what, what am I so worried about? And I picked up a bike and it was awesome. So I've been riding ever since and love it. Uh, so when I saw you, I mean, motocross, I've always dreamed, what would it be like to be a kid and just like into it? Like my dad wasn't into that stuff. Um, so was your dad also a rider or was he all like drag or what was his deal? He was completely anti dirt bikes. Like I had to beg for a good two years before he finally took me to a race. And at my first race, I got um, second to last overall. The second race, I actually fell down, got this huge bruise on my elbow. It was like the size of my shoulder on my elbow. And my parents were like, yes, he's gonna be like, this sucks, I'm not gonna do this. <laughs> And because I, when I did other sports, I was always on all the winning teams, like everything, baseball, football, like yeah. they always were like the championship teams. And not that I was the star player. I played my role, but it didn't really, it didn't vibe with me. And all of a sudden here I come in and I lose, like lose bigly. 
So um, they were so excited, like, oh, we don't have to ever do this again. And I came off like so much joy, like that was the best thing ever. And they're like, oh, no. no. Um, how, how did you first even think about motocross? Did you like see it on TV? Did you like go, you know, were you going to a drag thing and there was also that? Like, how did you even come across it and know that you wanted to get into it? It actually started with um, just, I saw a dirt bike on the back of a car and I was like, that looks amazing. That's what I'm supposed to do. And it just was imprinted in my mind. When I, when I was born, like two years old, we had this, I had this plastic motorcycle and I rode it everywhere. It was like, just, I didn't ever want to get off it. Like it was, that was my thing to take with me. It was almost like my binky. Like one of those, was it a little like a, like a toy or one of those like power wheel motorcycle things? Well, we didn't have power wheels. I'm not that young, um, <laughs> but it was powered by my feet. And uh, yeah, it was, it was just this plastic thing that I could just fit on. Yeah, Man, that's cool. So it stuck with you ever since. Um, that's really cool. So now, and you said just before we were rolling, you said uh, now you're getting close to selling San Antonio yeah. Racetrack. Yeah, yeah. So and it probably looks by the like, time this podcast episode drops, it'll be done, right? Yeah, it'll be part of, it looks that way. I mean, there's, there's always, you never know what's going to happen. Um, and I'm really excited for the future, but it looks like that is exactly what's happened over the course of by, uh, by next Monday. Wow. So I'm out here saying my goodbyes and getting to shake a lot of hands and talk to a lot of people and, uh, give a lot of hugs out and kind of take it all in. Cause when, when I'm building something, and I think this happens for a lot of people when I'm building something, it feels like all this work. But then at the moment that it's time to let it go, it's like that sentimental, like, oh my gosh, how much I really love this. How, how great are the people, all the relationships I've built. And am I ever going to get to do this again? Right. So, you know, well, I've been soaking it in. I've been taking, I have an RX-7. I've been taking it down the, the track. Yesterday I was uh, out drifting it because we had a drift day. And just hanging out with people. It was just, it was great. Was that recently? I was looking up when I was looking at the uh, the racetrack. You had a uh, Paul Walker memorial, like a drift day. Was that is that recently? Um, that was um, last Thanksgiving time. We've done them every single year around uh, the Thanksgiving weekend. And what we do is we do drifting, we do drag racing, and we do roll racing. So you and mm. a car show. So you get all the automotive people together in one place, um, raise money for a good cause. And uh, his, he has a foundation, and um, the name's escaping me right now, so I apologize for that. But uh, we always raise money for, for that organization every year and just give back and grow, grow the community because there's a lot of good people. Yeah. I'll tell you, you know, it's funny. Um, when I saw that, he's hopefully a lot of people know, like, he's such, he was such an amazing guy, not just obviously a great actor and everything, but um, behind the scenes, he was such an activist. Of a, a really dear friend who's a student, a medical doctor who's going off on doing these little micro um, uh, missions, right? She'd take in a handful of firefighters and go into these villages and just and bring medical care miles into like Haiti and different places where there's emergencies and the Red Cross wouldn't go. And she's sitting on a plane one day across from Paul Walker and she has no idea who he is, right? She's completely like out of like movie TV touch, you know? And then he just says, Oh, you know, where are you going? And she says, And, and, and they start talking and pretty soon, um, he, she's going on all of his trips that he never publicized and tells people about, but they're going off constantly. Just he pumped so much energy and time and money that no one will, you know, really even knew. And probably people know now, but I just instantly, I just, man, so much respect for that guy. Um, and, and you know, alive or, or passed away. 
um, the respect level doesn't change because that's just how he lived his life. So it's really cool to, to connect to, to a legacy like that, man. I'm, I'm, uh, I was glad to hear that and glad to see that. And I'm sure the, the events were epic, yeah? Oh my gosh, we had um, Noel G, who, who played in that movie out there and a couple other stars from uh, a couple different Fast and Furious and just brought so many people out just to meet them, do autograph signings. Wow. And the thing is, like, there are actually so many great people like Paul Walker. They might not have the reach. And the thing is, they don't necessarily get the exposure. And then there's, there's a whole other side. Like, the media is always talking about all this negativity and people are, like, in this fear state. And that's, like, one of the things I'm really about is actually bringing to light that there's so much greatness happening that this is the best time ever to live. I'm a firm believer. Like I'm living in heaven on earth and it's a matter of being able to reveal and pull back the curtain on all the other BS to be able to see it. And Paul Walker is a great example of somebody that did that. And he might've died young, but he, I mean, he lived a great life, did some great things. I mean, he accomplished his mission. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree with you more too on, uh, on heaven and earth. Um, I a hundred percent. I mean, as soon as someone starts saying, oh, today it's, this is going on or that's going on or these movements or whoever's in office or what, you know, whatever the conversation is, I just think, man, a little over a hundred years ago, we didn't have antibiotics. <laughs> you know, like, like if you got a red spot somewhere, you just had to suck it up and maybe die. And now <laughs> like you can just, you could take some amoxicillin and, and you're okay. And, and, and you don't even need that. Right. But like that, we have so much right now. Um, there's so much with, with, with rights, with, with abilities. With, I'm sitting in, in my hot tub the other night, just looking around, looking at the stars and going, you know, I feel totally safe. No one's going to come and try to take my stuff. Super blessed living in California. This is just, I, I can't imagine living in another time. Um, we have a refrigerator, we have a stove, we have a, a dehydrator, I have a crock pot. I'm like, you know what I mean? Like you could do what barbecue outside. You can make food any way you want. You can store it any way you want. You can, it's just incredible, man. It's incredible. And or you could just have it delivered to your house with an app. Like when we land in Miami, my wife, while we're waiting for baggage, she like orders all of our food. We get home, we unpack our clothes, and then the food comes in. I mean, we also have room service to our, our room with just organic food. So yeah. like, when when did that exist before now? I don't I don't know. I know. Yeah. Any any way I go, like from from our house, I can go like a mile or two in any direction and you'll hit like four different organic grocery stores, you know. Like we're, Whole Foods is here and Sprouts is there. And let's like, it's just, it, it's insane. But we're living in a good time. Um, you're living in a good time, obviously. Um, real quick, though, I want to talk to you before, again, before we started, you said you were going to go on a ride and I'll, I'll get off motorcycles in a second. You said you were going to go on a ride, uh, a PCH. Tell me about that. When's that happening? So I, I'm thinking either July or early August. Um, I'm going to be going down to Costa Rica and then I have some friends coming in Miami. So we'll figure out exactly when it is. But the person that is responsible for this is this guy, uh, Ben Roday. He has the Roday Institute. He just gifted me. Oh, you, Ben and Jen? Diablo. Are you going to stay with Ben and Jen in Costa Rica? Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. I, I had no idea. I didn't know you know them. Yeah. Great, great people. <laughs> yeah. Great. They're phenomenal. Yeah. That's yeah. We're awesome. like, we're like twinsies. Nice. So, so. Ben's going to come up and so they want to do the ride too. And you're going to be. No, no, no. No. Ben gave me a Ducati Diablo. He what? gifted me, a, yeah, his, his motorcycle, which is like se sentimental to him. He couldn't sell it. And then he just messaged me, I'm giving, I'm sending you this pink slip. Like, where, where are you? So he's like, the only thing is you have to get it back to Miami. And I'm like, wait a second, maybe I could drive up the PCH and go, actually my wife's from Vancouver. So we're going to do like a week long or two week long, however long it takes us trip. 
and just enjoy every single moment. You're going to have to show me this, uh, this bar you were talking about, Hell's Kitchen yeah. or whatever it is. Yeah. Maybe you're going to have to ride with us for a little bit of it. That'd be yeah, great. That'd be epic. I would do a, I would do a leg. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's do it. Yeah. Man, that is so, so cool. Yeah. And, and actually, right four hours after he gifted it to me and actually told me about it, somebody messaged him that they're going to get him a Harley and send it to Costa Rica for him because it's hard to get a Harley in Costa Rica and he's always wanted one. So, and the guy's last name was also Gray, like what my last name. Heck. So it's just, it's, it was a great example of how like once I let go of something, something new comes into my life. And the more that I can give, the more that I can receive. Wow. And it was really neat to see. I do that. That's incredible. Well, that is going to be an absolute blast. So uh, yeah, let, let me know, man. Email me, text me something. Uh, let me know when, when you're up in town. That's going to be pretty cool. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. So you, uh, just switching gears for a second, you've done um, a lot of crazy stuff. So between obviously motocross, you've been all sorts of competitions, um, owning the raceway. Uh, and we'll get to what you're doing in a second. But I also came across a movie you were a producer in, The Level. Tell yeah. me about that. How did you, how the heck do you get involved in producing a movie? Like, I don't even know how that starts. You know what I mean? Like, it really is about supporting people that are in my circle mm -hmm. and um, some of the dreams and aspirations they have. So I had an advertising business before that, that I started in New York with my credit card, grew it to big numbers, like months where we were doing over 1.4 million in EBITDA. So it was mm -hmm. like printing cash at that point and over 150 employees. It was really, really exciting times. And um, then after I sold that, it's like, what's my next thing? Right. So one of my friends, Drew, had a production company and had a couple different movies um, that I was able to help him get off the ground and invest in. And um, the, the, the level was, uh, was a really interesting one um, because it just had so many different dramas in it about the human experience and every single moment I get to play a role and it's whether I'm consciously choosing it or not like in the past when I was sleeping I would just something would happen it would, I'd give a story to it have a meaning and then I would go into the jerk or the strong one or the tough one or the kind one or the people pleaser or whatever it was that mode that I was so it's almost like you, you get into like an archetype mode of uh, some kind of, I guess an archetype is probably the best way to say it. So, you, so is that what the movie was about then? Like playing the different archetypes or the different roles that we play in our lives in different situations? Yeah, yeah. It had a lot, it had a lot of different um, components to it that just really brought out the characters and like their insecurities and vulnerabilities and mm. their hero's journey and how they walk through that. Like I could live my life as a victim forever. And I, I had moments and times in my life where that's the role I played. And now I've chosen to take 100% responsibility for everything that comes into my awareness. So when I do that, the drama starts to fade away. I can yes. see the drama happening for other people, even attempting to get me kind of swayed into it. But being conscious, I can stay out of it or I could consciously just choose into the victim and be like, your fault, no, it's your fault, just to get a rise out of them and just have a game with them. Or I could yeah. be the jerk. So it's, um, it was really neat that when he brought it to me, he was telling me about the different dynamics and different people. And we did another film called Salvage. Um, hmm. And uh, he was into the horror stuff at the time. That was kind of a little more interesting than now. Like now I understand that every single thing that I put into my ears, it's like putting food into my mouth. So that it's going to create new thoughts for me. So everything sure. I, I take in now is positive vibes or I attempt to, and then I have a little bit for contrast, I guess. So are you not, are you a fan of the Saw movies or no? 
No. Okay, no. good. Me neither. So different reason though. So I, I love positive thinking. I, you know, I love being obviously like, you know, controlling, being at cause. I love how you said that, you know, being at cause for everything that I experience and whether it's interacting with someone else or not, a big thing we teach in NLP, the neuro-linguistic programming, obviously the whole stuff we do, uh, one of the hugest uh, foundations is living a life at cause because the moment you give away any responsibility to someone else or something else, all, even if they, they're affecting you, right? As soon as you give a percentage of your responsibility away, it just gives away your chance to change anything. So if I gave 100% cause away and said, hey, it's not my fault. My dad did this. My mom did that. And that's how I am. I can't do anything about it because it's all because of them. But if I say, well, here's what I did with it, then I can change everything. Um, super fascinating. So for me, <laughs> we were talking about horror movies. I, I, I just can't watch them because I'm super suggestible. Like I, 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 like not even funny, man. Like I, I, you know, I, I teach influence in like a lot of lo those kind of topics, but I am so suggestible. I'm the easiest mark to be sold to, you know, I, I love selling, but I love being sold. Um, uh -huh. But if I go to, to see a horror movie, man, I'm dreaming about that. I got into, my wife and I were watching Dexter years ago. You know, the, uh, yeah, I remember Dexter. Yeah. Awesome show. Um, really fun. Right. At first it was kind of quirky, funny, but after, I think it was like the third or fourth season, John Lithgow came in, his character, and he was so good and so creepy that after like two episodes, I dreamed about him that night, and then I was like, I'm done. I'm done. I woke up in the morning. I'm like, nope, I'm not, go I'm not going to bed with a serial killer in my head. I'm completely done. So I quit watching all that stuff. I couldn't do it. It's just, it's terrible, you know? So, uh, so your, your buddy started doing more like, kind of, it was like a, a I don't want to sound offensive. I don't mean it that way, but like, was it like a, a B horror films or was it um, more indie style or was it like a big production? Like what was kind of the style of it? Um, the, the horror stuff was more B and then you had like some, some indie um, elements to different things. So it was, yeah. it was smaller budget, but some stuff got into Sundance and um, wow. some, some uh, smaller film festivals and stuff like that. And then he, he got a job that he's doing great. So He's not producing the films anymore, but it was, it was a lot of fun, a great experience and to be involved in that, that world. Um, all the world life is but a stage, right? Yeah. So it's a matter of like, how do I show up as that? Like watch Jim Carrey these days. Oh my gosh, that guy is insane. He's amazing. Yeah, amazing. Am amazing. And, and in the, in the world, he seems like he's get going crazy, but he's not like you could also look at that from kind of that, that spiritual perspective and go, man, he's kind of waking up. He, he's not talking that nuts. He's just going, Hey, this whole thing, a lot of things we think matter don't matter. I mean, to me, every time I hear him or see him in an interview, when I, I like, I staple all the pieces together, right. Everything mm -hmm. he says, and you can just tell it's like, man, he sounds like a guy who's been going to personal development seminars for five years. Do you know what oh. I mean? Like, and, and he's going on meditation retreats and he's just, he, he's waking up going, you know, this stuff isn't what I thought it was. You know, I, I took the red pill and I'm coming out of the matrix. Uh, but if you're still in that and, you're, and you think that that's what matters and, and the kind of purse you have matters and the kind of shoes you have matter and all that stuff, you're going to think that's crazy. You know, you went off the deep end. I mean, you probably a little bit deep end, but it's not necessarily a bad thing, I guess, in my opinion. You know? I think I might actually be in the same vibrational harmony as, as Jim. Like I, I like it's, it's come like across a little Jim playing like a puppet. Like he's pulling people's strings and consciously doing that to get them to like, yes disrupt them and be like hey come on wake up like we're here we're on heaven on earth make this ride fun this is all an illusion it's all a hologram stephen hawking's last paper before he passed away was proving that it is all a hologram elon musk is is 
spending a bunch of money that this is all a simulation, same way of saying hologram. Mm -hmm. And it's a matter of like what I think about, I bring about. Who I be is who I see. So mm -hmm. those horror films, even if I'm not consciously aware of them um, disrupting me and I'm not having nightmares, you know, some of us maybe, I, I, I get, I've gotten the nightmares too. I used to watch like all kinds of horror stuff and I yeah. was also miserable inside. I never saw the correlation, but like attracts like. And then as I started getting rid of the Alex Jones, the zeitgeist, the saws, the, oh, yeah. the, all the TV shows, the Dexters, I was like, wait a second. Uh, oh my gosh, it's actually, there's a lot of beauty here. Uh, and right. I started feeling better internally. And then I could show up better for everybody around me as well. So it's really like back to like what I see is going to bring in certain vibrations. So even the purses, my wife loves really nice stuff. She loves it, but she's still very conscious. She's not, she's, we are in a material world. So let's enjoy that, but not forsake the, the spiritual. And the spiritual is actually where I manifest what comes into the, the material. So I'm playing like in the walls of the matrix. I'm like, I'm working on like becoming an architect. Right. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good way to put that. And, and I like that you mentioned that too, is like, you don't have to pick one or the other. You know, I think a, a lot of us in this space, the thought leader space or whatever you want to call it, um, have gone through these like radical changes where I was like, for me, I was in real estate and, and investing. And I was fully in the material world, you know, being, I want to be a good person. I gave back and, and I went on adventures and I made a lot of money. And then I had this opposite shift where 2006, I, like, I, I gave it all away and I, I got rid of all my house. I got rid of everything and chased the dream of being a life coach and helping people change their lives. And that was the only thing that mattered. And then, but the mean was this, if, if I had like a really nice watch or something, right? The meaning was, oh, I must love that watch more than people, right? It's, you know, yeah. the love of money, that kind of thing. You know, when um, in the story, when Jesus of Nazareth met the uh, rich young ruler and he said, what do I need to do to get in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus said, well, you have to give away all your possessions, give away everything you love. He wasn't saying you can't have anything. You can't be rich. Plenty of people had a lot of money all through biblical times and obviously went to heaven um, and experienced right that. But what he was saying was you love it so much that you think this is what it's about, right? That's my interpretation. At least you think that everything you have and everything you created is what this whole thing's about and you couldn't be more wrong. And because you love it so much, you have to get rid of it. Whereas if you just go, oh my gosh, none of this matters, but yet I really like that watch and it's fun to wear and, and I smile when I see it, you know, it makes me feel good. So why not have it? Um, you know, I have a bike. It doesn't make me anyone, but I love riding my bike, you know? Um, but is that the sort of vibe, right? Is that, that's my take on it. Would you, is that along the same lines? I, 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 I think, um, I think I'm, I'm, cl I'm close. I, I might go even a little deeper. Like, I'll bet. I don't okay. have a body. I, or, you know, or I have a body. I'm, I'm not my body. So I literally, to go into the gateways of heaven, I have to be willing to give up the body too. I have to be willing mm -hmm. to give up every single belief, my own identity and all this, this local manifestation that I became of, of spirit, which is just God anyway, expressing himself. So when I take responsibility for everything that's going on with me, and I'm willing to let go of any outcomes as well, that's when possibilities get created. Even like in the, the Tao, um, the first line of it is the, the eternal Tao is, that can be told is not the eternal Tao. Anytime something's named, then I create a manifestation, but in the nameless, there's a mystery. Hmm. So that's the, the, just the power of the word. And you, I mean, you, you, you'll know that you know this, is uh, 
the power of the words just starts to like shrink anything from the spiritual from that thought and be able to compress it into something that creates a manifested desire. Hmm. So choosing what those words are, are an act of manifestation and being conscious of what I speak, knowing that that is going to be what I create. Wow. All of a sudden I wake up and change. Let me make sure that I'm speaking my truths and making sure I'm speaking things that I intend to create for myself. And as I do that, the people that come into my awareness, they start to step up and speak more clearly in their truths. And the drama starts to go away. My life becomes easier and the veils start to peel back. And the illusion is shown, ah, oh, this is here for me. The world's not happening to me. It's happening for me. Wow. That's a really, really interesting way to put that. It's not happening to me. It's happening for me. And hmm. sometimes I get in there and I like, want to mess things up. So it uh, happens yeah, because yeah, yeah. of me. <laughs> <laughs> it happens because of me. But it's best to have no hands on the wheels and just go for the ride. That's and that's a, a scary thing to a lot of people. Like I, that was a scary thing for me too, is just keep letting go. The ability to let go, just let go and go along for the ride and manifest from in the mind, mind and heart. When I say mind, it's a brain, heart, the gut. And that actually gives an alignment to like actually channel through yeah. what the divine is bringing forth. And in that space, I'm going to be a good person or great person if there is good and bad like then we back into duality so sure, i'm going to yeah, just fully express debatable. my truth yeah interesting so so with with this that with with the way you, you you think what you've come through has this been has this been kind of a journey that's been happening for quite a while or did you have like i don't know you know some people have like a moment in time you wake up from the metaphorical or literal coma uh you know, for me, it was really clear. Like I had this moment, man, I came back from a Tony Robbins seminar and I just looked around and was like, why am I doing all this? This doesn't matter. I just want to help people transform and change. So I like instantly, like almost overnight, I went on this tear to figure out how to get rid of things financially and how to help people spiritually and emotionally and mentally, you know? Um, and it, it took me about two years of hitting this pit and living in a trailer and, and literally lose, I lost a million and a half dollars. Um, by the time I was 25, I was a millionaire. And by the time I was 26, I was bankrupt chasing this dream to change. And, and then it took a couple of years to crawl back up and realize how to kind of get a better control of, over it, right? How to put value in the material world for, I guess, for me, it was a sowing and reaping uh, mentality, right? It was getting that principle of if I'm going to sow value to people, I can reap a harvest from that in another place, another, another place, similar to Ben in the motorcycle, right? Yes. That's a pretty direct uh, example. You know, he sowed a motorcycle and he reaped the motorcycle he actually wanted. He's trying to sell it. Now he gets the one he wants. Um, but we have that in all different places. My point is for you, was there like a moment in time that you could stick to and say that was this turning point or was it a progressive, like ever since you were two, you liked bikes and before you know it, you're, you know, you have a racetrack. Uh, it sounds like that you have a theme of your life is always just kind of on this gradient of more and more of the thing you love. But was, was there a moment or has it always been just kind of you've been growing into it more? I, I mean, I think for me, it's been a, a series of moments. I've gotten to live a, a number of lives. So I, I got to race motorcycles and get my pro license and go that route. I got to do sales and knock, knock the cover off the ball and live in my parents' basement when I was 21 years old, making $14,000 a month. I got to go, <laughs> I, I, everything for me was like winning until I was about 24-ish and I was living in Sweden, which was my dream to go 
live in Europe and I had a visa and a Swedish girlfriend and all that stuff. And I ran out of money and my self-worth just like completely plummeted. And just like, I became a nasty boyfriend and the back in my parents' basement, broken, heartbroken. And that's when I started my advertising business after I got a little bit of self-esteem back doing, doing some sales work. And that, that just went incredible gangbusters. Then I went to Miami, under 30, retired, millionaire, single. Like, what do you do at that point? South Beach, why not? Why not? I've great days in Miami. And then, um, then I actually, that's when I started like drinking a lot more alcohol like, and, and partying a lot, sleeping less, hanging around a lot of people that weren't in the same vibration that I was in previously. And I had another dip. Then I got the motocross track, which helped climb me out of it. But there was a lot of pressure and a lot of growing pains, a lot of people to please um, at, at these racetracks. And they've got a lot of unique, specific demands. Some of them, I might say, are a little bit unreasonable. Um, <laughs> sometimes. And motocross tracks are going to get bumpy, and sometimes it's going to get dirty. You're going to get dirt on yourself. It's going to be dry or dusty. Who knows? It depends. They want it to be like exactly perfect every single moment of the day. Yeah, so it's not, a, it's not a surgery center. It's a racetrack. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, do, you, do you think – so I – when I think about my life, like in connection with you, like I, I can point to quite a few different, hey, I hit it and made this and then I sabotaged something or uh, whether it was sabotage or whether it was just coming to the end of a season, but something changed and then I came back up and figured out the next thing and then going down and my wife and I are going through a season change right now too um, with ministry work and with where we're living and what we're doing and the business is changing. Do you think this might be, I don't know, more philosophical, but do you think that we ever like are going to get it? Like, do you think at some point you're, you're going to be like 53 years old and go, aha, this is what the rest of my life is. Or do you feel like your life is just going to be continual chapters in your book? And at some point, no matter how great it is, the chapter is going to come to an end and you're going to get into another chapter and there's going to be ups, there's going to be downs. Um, I kind of go the chapter route. Like, I feel like life is more like a chapters in a book. Uh -huh. Um, that's me though. I'm just curious. Does that make any sense to you? And, and how, where do you land on that? Yeah, well, I think, I think everybody has their own unique journey. Everybody has their own gifts and the root of all evil is to withhold one's gifts. That's what I think the wow. real root of evil is. And so I it's think not that, money. What's that? It's not, it's not money. It's not money. Money, <laughs> money's a magnifier. The love of yes. money where now I've like only going after and chasing money is, is evil, but that I'm withholding my gifts if I'm doing that mm -hmm. because that's giving, right? So, but if I'm giving, I'm going to be receiving. So it's, it's weird paradox that people um, get trapped by, I think. And that's what keeps them really on the hamster wheel. I'd really be interested to see what the Bible said before it was edited by Constantine in regards to actually what, how to use money. Cause oh. it's, it's, just, it's, it's a, it's a vehicle. It's, it's just an energy exchange. So it's, a value for a favor, a value for service, a value for a product. Mm -hmm. So that's exactly um, right. I mean, literally, like, because long long before that, today we still have the Greek and Hebrew manuscripts directly, hundreds of years before Constantine, and you can see exactly what it was. Jesus talked more about money. He talked about money. He talked about love because he knew it was such something that was so important to people. But constantly, it was always, "Don't put your heart in this place," right? Don't put your heart in that place. Put your heart with me and, and that will flow, right? And I mean, there was a, 
it, it was great. But again, it was about the love of money. It was about putting your heart in this place that isn't where it belongs, right? It should be with God. And so when you look at the original manuscripts, it really is exactly what we're still talking about. And it's just such a, such a beautiful thing, right? This God saying, I just want you to be with me. I want, I want, I want you to know how much I love you. I want you to love me. Um, and that's what's important. And we're going to make this world, we're going to bring heaven down to earth, right? He didn't say like, you know, the famous Lord's prayer, he didn't say, you know, thy church go, he said, thy kingdom come. And that's yeah. exactly what we we're just talking about. That's, it's about what's coming to earth. It's what we're doing here. And I, I probably should have shared, you know, uh, kind of in ministry as well. Uh, my wife and I lead a church present time, uh, in addition to the business and everything else. And, and I just love it because, you know, I have, I have friends in, in the new age world, I have friends in the Christian world, I have friends in the atheist world, I have friends in the scientific community, I have friends in personal development. And I think it's a really cool time we live in that I can love and be connected to anyone and we can have these amazing conversations. And it doesn't have to become like a Facebook political debate of I'm right, you're wrong, you're right, I'm wrong, I hate you now, mean, con you know, we just get to have a really cool conversation where we get to still love each other no matter where anyone is. And it's just, it's a beautiful thing, which I want to kind of pivot because uh, I want to get to what you're doing now, which is really exciting. So I saw uh, on your website, you're, you have a goal to create, it was a thousand millionaires by what's the year? Is it 2023? Yeah. January 24th, 2023, which was 2023. my 45th birthday. So, so it's what birthday? 45th birthday for me. Right on. Yeah. All right. So you want to create a thousand millionaires basically inside of five years. Um, what's the drive behind that? Where did that come from? Yeah. So, um, slight correction. I, I will create. Oh, oh come on. Thank <laughs> no, you. No wanting. Yeah. Um, yep. Ready in progress. Um, I'm with you. <laughs> technically I think I actually have my first one cause I just had somebody get evaluation on a new business that they started, um, in the multimillion dollars that, that was as a result of going through the course. So, nice. um, I'm, I'm really excited about that. So that's, that's really so 999 cool. to go crushing it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and there's a few others on their way. So that's, that's great to see. Yeah. Um, and seeing how people are really dedicated once they follow these, these principles that I, I learned. And what happened was when I first started my advertising business, I was completely broke and mm -hmm. I did it with my credit card. And, um, I, I was going to like different organizations like how, how can I learn more about doing this? Cause I, I didn't know what I was doing at all as far as running a business. I knew how to do sales. I knew how to buy stuff. I knew how to talk to people, but actually being a business owner was like a completely foreign thing to me. And I found that many of the entrepreneur organizations at that time had all this criteria that one had to meet to be able to curate them. And mm -hmm. I had a new business that was wildly profitable very quickly. I mean, wildly from new businesses. Most of them aren't profitable at all. I yeah. pay myself at least. Um, and I was going to these different entrepreneurial organizations, like until you have tax records showing that you filed for this much, you can't come in. And I was like, are you serious? And I actually right. went to one in New York city, like thinking they'll just let me in. I can talk my way in. And it was a non-decision maker and they just, there was nobody else there and they were just being really difficult. And I was like, you know what? They don't want me here, then it's not my place to be. So I walk outside, it's raining, it's cold, it's windy, it's New York City, November rain, no umbrella because it's too windy, they just break. I'm getting wet and I just like, I look up at the sky and I'm like, what is going on? Well, first I cover my hands on my face. I'm like, oh my gosh. And then I look up at the sky, right? Like what is going on? 
And then it just came to me like, oh, this is an oath. I made an oath. It was actually a message. And more that I remember this, it's, 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 I got chills up up my arms. Yeah. Um, that when I figure this out, when I figure out this formula, then I'm going to share it with other people. Yep. So um, that's how Millionaire Prowess was born, was I remembered that oath, like, oh, I promised I was going to share this methodology with other people. So I wrote a book about it. Uh, first, it was actually for my father, because he always gave me so many books growing up. And they really like helped me get on track with Think and Grow Rich, As a Man Thinketh. Sure. Great. Getting my mind on track. And, um, and now we've been trading back and forth books. And then I was giving him books. And he was like, oh, it's so great that you're always giving me books. And then I, um, I was like, what would be cooler than that? And I was like, what if I wrote him one? Hmm. So I, I wrote that in the voice to, for my father to be able to read. And so it was really neat to be able to give back in that way. And that left me on a journey to create Evolve Life, which is like all of my practices, all of my values that I'm going to instill in my children. And I've already been sharing it with my family, um, but it's how I usher in heaven on earth, like how I raise my vibe and when the going gets tough. Before we're talking about like the different chapters in life, it's like also learning to, well, learning to enjoy the ride up. Most of the time, I know for myself in the past, I would get so caught up that I have so much work to do. And then the ride down is like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this is ending. But I signed up before I came into this body. I signed up. I made an agreement. Like, I'm going on a ride right now. I bought a ticket for a roller coaster ride, the Ian Gray roller coaster experience. Yeah. So I could either be like, when I'm going uphill, like, this is so much work or this is taking forever. And then downhill, like, ah. Or I could just be like, this is freaking amazing. And motorcycles do that too. It's like so liberating. I get to go for this ride. And, that's the journey. And it's just a matter of like how I can realize that life is a ceremony. It is the journey and keep coming back to that present moment place and then choosing intentionally how to manifest and really be able to have strategies to do that. So um, millionaire prowess is for those people that want to make the money. And then evolve life is a little bit about that, but it's more about life practices. Sure. So the book is 10 principles that brought me millions and it can work for you too. Yes. And what's the best way to grab that, by the way, if anyone wants to get it? It's still on Amazon. I see it's Amazon, uh, yeah. on Amazon. Do you have any other? Is that the best place? No, just, just go to Amazon. Awesome. Go to Amazon, search for Ian Gray, or I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes too. 10 Principles That Brought Me Millions. Pretty cool. Um, oh, actually, there is another way, and you can get it for is. free instead. Oh, that's way better. You go to free.millionaireprowess.com, and that will be in the show notes. You get the first week of the course for free to test drive it, and you get that book. So. Oh, cool. So if you want to get Ian's book, 10 Principles Brought Me Millions, and the first module for the course, yeah, really cool. Week, yeah. You can test drive that. That's awesome. And that's all free. So we'll put a link in the show notes. Make sure you check it out. Um, and all, yeah, I'll have a link to a, a page with everything on there. That's amazing. Um, so I can't wait. I'm going to go check that out. Then I didn't realize you had, uh, I could also test drive the course. That is pretty cool. Yeah. Well, my, my intention is to create the thousand millionaires, and I know I'll create the value in it to bring me to the, the billionaire number, right? right. So- um, but, but the thing is like, I'm not looking, it's, it's not about making the money. I already made enough money that I don't have to worry about money. Like it's, it's just a thing. Yep. <laughs> the thing, it's just, just a measuring tool it's of just how much my legacy maybe has, Yeah. but it, but it's, um, it's people need to invest. What I've learned is I know I, when I, more I invest, the more I put myself into it. Like I work with a coach right now, that's $30,000. Like, and that's not even big, big money. I think 
there's people out there charge a million. Right. And this guy might be worth a million. Um, but because I invested this $30,000 to work with him, I do what I say I'm going to do. I'm very accountable. And right. when I screw up, it's like taken seriously. So I screw up less and less, but the access to my greatness is always in those, those errors that I make anyway. So that is awesome. So what's a couple of last questions and we got to, unfortunately time's been going, we got to get wrapped yeah. up. Uh, I've really enjoyed this, man. It's been a great talk. Um, what is, what is next for, for this, um, uh, millionaire prowess what's next for the the project what what are you getting in front of what are you doing what uh, what are you excited about um i'm obviously you're excited about the whole thing but like what's what's coming up next that you have to that you're really focusing on for it well it's interesting because i had such an expertise in advertising mm -hmm. that now it's not fun for me to play in the promotion aspect so i'm more about attraction so i'd rather have conversations about this and the people that are called to it they'll test drive it and so I'm going to ATL, Association of Transformational Leaders in, in uh, Costa Rica next month. So I'll be around a bunch of people that are influencing in the space. And then just joint ventures just seem to magically create. So rather than putting like some kind of, this is how I'm gonna get it done. Yeah. Or this is what I need to do. There's none of that anymore. It's who do I need to be? So I learned good. that like once I embody the being of someone or the, this is who I'm gonna show up, the character I'm gonna, I'm gonna play, this is who I, who I be then the doing happens on its own. And then the having or achieving and the giving happens as a result of that. So this way I can be like really centered and present rather than looking at that laundry to-do list that I used to do. And I'd, be, I'd write down everything I needed to do. And then I'd be like, okay, that was enough. I'm not even gonna do any of this stuff because that was exhausting. Yeah, <laughs> wow, I love it. So, so the next thing on your, on your to-do list is just to continue being and, and that will bring in what you need to have happen. Yeah. Yeah. I love it, dude. I love it so much. <laughs> the only thing on the to-do list and a few podcasts here and there that got, I, cause I do use time sometimes. <laughs> sure. Hey, time's a construct, but it also is something you can observe pretty directly. Yeah. Um, do you, uh, do you have anything, uh, this is a great time to, to plug anything you want to, uh, how do we, how do people follow you? How do you get more of Ian? Uh, if you're listening to this and you want more Ian, um, do you have social media to follow? Do you have a, Absolutely. Like so I got gift a website, I, anything you want to give away, you can, uh, I will plug it for you. I love it. So, um, just follow me on, on Facebook or Instagram and feel free to reach out with any questions or any ideas. I always get after these shows, so many messages, people like, Oh, that really resonated with me. And, and I interact with those individuals as soon as I can. It gets, gets a little busy sometimes, but I awesome. do get back to everybody. I don't have somebody else managing it for me because I feel like this is what it's about is that connection with the people. Sure. Um, so, that's really, really exciting. Um, and also evolvedlife.com forward slash driven. Um, and that's life with a Y. It'll be in the show notes. And that will have um, give you access to 28 days free of, uh, of the Evolve Life program. So if you want to do the Millionaire Prowess, it's free.millionaireprowess. And that's the money making. Um, it's got other practices in there, but it's focused around making the money. So you get the free work, the free, free week on that in the book. Or nice. test out the evolvelife.com um, forward slash driven and, and you'll be able to see the different practices. And my wife is putting hers in there. It's just getting better and better. So Very cool. So, so Evolve Life is more like a personal journey and the millionaire prowess is about the, the making the money part of it. I'm sure a ton of overlap as far as um, like psychology of it, but there's one has one focus, one has the other. So yeah. good idea to go do both. 
Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I do, I do both. I, I, and every time I follow the principles for money in my health area too, like the millionaire prowess, when I follow those principles for my health, that's how I got a six pack at, at 40. First time having a six pack. Wait, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. You follow the millionaire principles about the money, but you follow that with health and you got a six pack at 40. Yeah. Okay. So I'm 38 and a half. It is, uh, it is, I'm excited. All I'm right. getting the book. I'm getting the course. <laughs> Perfect. It's time again. Time again. Awesome. Ian, man, thank you so much for taking the time and just hanging out. Um, it was a blast. Uh, I loved it. Uh, love to have you back on at some point uh, and just kind of continue that conversation. We didn't even get into, I want to talk about some organizational leadership. I know you have a degree in organizational leadership. Um, when I was looking at education for myself, I thought, you know, the only thing that I could possibly be interested in in the traditional education system was organizational leadership. And I love doing that kind of work in companies. Um, so, you know what, one minute, like, do you, did you use that at all? Is that something you were interested in? Um, where did, where did that idea come from when you went to Mercy College in New York? Yeah. So, um, definitely there was parts of it that I used, but the way I look at information is learning, learning is kind of weird to me. Like see, it's just, it's actually more remembering. Mm-hmm. So I, I channel the, a lot of information. And then when I read something, it really supports what the information I'm getting from the divine anyway. So it's just like, okay, that's building another relationship to say, this is a great reflection of the truth that you know to be inside of you already. And I think that's the case for everybody, except for we've been dulled down to not listen to it. Right. So the body is the temple, right? And it houses what? God. Oh, wait. Oh, I have access to everything, but I have all these lenses on that are like preventing me from seeing that. But the more that I get access to it, the more I find information that will resonate with that. And that's why I end up on podcasts with people like you. Hey. I think the next one, the next one, maybe we could do motorcycle ride and record it in the headsets. That might yeah. be an interesting. And just have a chat along, <laughs> along the piece. Man, that'd be awesome. <laughs> all right. Well, looking forward to it. Let me know on the ride. Super excited. Um, great having you on and I will, uh, I will see you soon, buddy. Thanks, Matt. Have a great one. You too. Thanks everybody for listening. Thanks to Ian Gray. Thanks for coming on the pod, man. It was so much fun, brother, hanging out with you. Um, if you want to find out about Ian, we have links to his social media and websites and everything you want to know is all in the show notes. Um, so make sure you look at the show notes and you'll find all things Ian Gray. And that's I-A-I-N-G-R-A-E. So Ian Gray, interesting spelling for an interesting human being. So thanks again for coming on, brother. You can come back on anytime. That was so much fun. Um, hope you enjoyed that. I, I hope you got as much out of it as I did recording it. I'm telling you, the more interviews like this I do, uh, the more the more I grow as a as a host and as an interviewer. Because I'm really like I'm asking questions that I hope you you get this. I'm genuinely curious. You know, when when I'm asking about how he grows up or what is you know what his parents were like. You know, I, I want to know. And, and when someone like Ian starts sharing some of his story, I'm like, well, hang on. I, I want to interrupt because I, I want to find out. Um, and, and what ends up happening, of course, is we, we find that you and I, we relate a lot more to some of these entrepreneurs that are really making waves out there in the world more than we realized. So I'll bet you relate to him in one way or another. All right. Well, that's it this week. Um, again, everything is rolling along uh, with life, with business, with the book. Still cranking along. I'll update you as things transpire. 
Uh, for now, if you want to go check it out, you can still check out the fire. Uh, sorry, it's fireboxbook.com. Fireboxbook.com. You can check that out if you haven't gotten already. It's still on um, launch pricing for the ebook at 99 cents. And I'll also update you when we get uh, all the dates and locations and information for our launch parties for the hardcover book. That's coming out in just a few short weeks, three or four weeks now coming up. It'll be there. Um, that's it this week. So have an awesome weekend. Get out there and crush it and just keep doing what you do. Reach out. Let me know on social media at Matt Browning. I want to know what you're up to. If you have any questions, if you have insults, compliments, jokes, whatever you got about the pod or about me, man, let me have it. I want to know. Um, I, you know, I, I'm hoping for I'm hoping for for joy and compliments and hoping for criticism because hey, as long as people are talking and as long as I'm sparking thought and, and something in your life, that's what I'm after. So, um, thanks for that. Stay in touch, and I will see you next week.